Well, hello and welcome to the 171st episode of the ANF podcast from the ANF Network with me, Al Coates, and him, Scott Casson Rennie, and her, Becky Brooks. Hey! We're so pleased to see you, Becky Brooks, and to have you on as our guest. I honestly so nearly just randomly said my maiden name then. (laughs) <laughs> well, oh, yes, that's because we've just uh, been talking about weddings and stuff before we it, came on. And I've suddenly reverted in my mind to, I don't know, some kind of pre-COVID status. Hell. Yeah. <laughs> yeah we were just catching up with you because we've not had you on the podcast for maybe, maybe since last year. And yeah. um, so yeah. any news updates from you, Becky Brooks of the internet? No. <laughs> Fair enough. No, don't we people get older? Some people turn 50, but we don't talk about that. Um, oh. um, horrifying, yeah. horrifying news. Um, yeah. Children get older and, I don't know, enrich our lives in different and new and interesting ways. That's good. Well, thinking about <laughs> your eldest child, 12-year-old, has he moved, transitioned in? Because you were homeschooling your children. Are you still homeschooling? Yeah. No, we still homeschool. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Right. Not, not I, I occasionally threaten my children with school and they're both quite against the idea. <laughs> Not like in a mean way, but just, you know, <laughs> you can do this here for me or you can go to school and do it for your teacher. I'm fine. Either way is fine with me. But no, no, we we, we stayed. I did say to my oldest um, around kind of open night time, and there's a high school quite really close to us, five minutes walk. And I said, oh, like they're having, you know, open nights. You can just go and have a look around see what they've got. There's like sports because he was quite into football at the time. Um, you know, they've got sports and like computer labs and I'm trying to name the things, mm-hmm. you know. And he just looked at me and went, I said, you know, do you want to go just to have a look? And he just looked at me and went, no. As if I'd said, like, do you want to just roll in dog poo? No. <laughs> just no interest whatsoever. So I mean, the offer was there. It's always there, but. It's like a reference to a modern day Borstal, like from what you've said. Yeah. I'll try not to make it sound, you know, sound comprehensive. Dreadful. Yeah, we'll take you up to that behavioural unit if you don't behave. That's what I, I, we used to get when we were little. So, yeah. I think Use I try end. not to be punitive. It's just that it genuinely is a choice. Like the choices are not between do maths or don't do maths. The choices are between do maths here at the dining room table or do maths for five hours a week at the school down the mm. road. It's up to you. Mm. Like it's not. Not really. I'm not trying to be. I'm not trying to like. Oh gosh, teachers may be listening. <laughs> <laughs> I don't routinely sit home and threaten my children with the teacher. <laughs> oh dear. This has taken a turn, hasn't it? Oh, um, already we're into dangerous territory. Yeah. Honestly, you, you always <laughs> pull me onto the rocks. Like you're a terrible like. Oh, no Listen. At least you're a teacher, so you can, you know, you, yes, I you're am. a qualified teacher, so you, yes. you, you, you're I've seen it for all quite, the sides. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Uh, I, I would like to take umbrage with that I pulled you onto the rocks. You, <laughs> you ran with reckless <laughs> abandon onto the rocks of your own. Yeah. So you just kind of set the sail, and then that was the direction we were heading, and I, I found it, I couldn't. That is as far as that sailing metaphor goes. I've never been on a sailboat in my life. I need to start with that metaphor before I uh, say something absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> I remember why we got you here. No, hi. Anyway, it's lovely to be on your podcast. <laughs> oh, it's lovely to have you. Oh, yeah, it's nice to have you hey. back. We'll have to do it, it every year because we we seem to get more out of you every year rather than having you on three times a year. So that's quite good. And we're only five minutes in. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> five minutes in and contro- controversy abounds already. 
talking well, points. I, Twitter, Twitter, you know. Oh, have you on? Oh, do you, you want, want to talk about Twitter, and... Becky? We're quite happy to talk about Twitter if you want to talk about Twitter. But yeah. I'm feeling no. probably not a good idea. Not called Twitter anymore. We can't talk about it, can we? It's called. <laughs> I'm just going to send a few things. <laughs> oh well, I mean, even things like that. You know, I'm I'm in a quandary at the minute about do we change stuff on our website to match oh. the branding of Twitter uh, of X, okay. or do we just leave it as is so that people know what it is? Or I know, what do right? I do? I don't know. Right. Who do I speak to about this sort of stuff? I don't know. My mind. This is kind of a tragedy, but more than once when the new X appeared at the top of the screen, I clicked it to try and close the screen. Because <laughs> it's an X, and then was like, Ugh? <laughs> because I'm looking at my profile page and couldn't understand yeah. how have I got here. Yeah, I mean, I reached, you know, not to harp on about being fifty, which I, it turns out, I have an enormous tendency to do, and we'll probably do multiple more times during the course of the evening. But I think I've reached the age of peak tech. I don't, you know, <laughs> we've just got an air fryer, and I'm just like, oh, it's got about. It's got about 87 buttons on it, and none oh. of them are buttons. They're just <laughs> lights, and you have to, you know, put your glasses oh. on. No. <laughs> Can I just say, I, 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 I had an air fryer. We upgraded our air fryer. This is just podcast <laughs> heaven for Al, isn't it? He's just gold. <laughs> this is um, gold. We, we, the air fryers, yeah. And we upgraded our air fryer, and I'm now in that position. As, again, it's all new. It's an all, all new layout, and my eyesight has gone terrible, so... I have my glasses on for like seeing in the distance. And then I've got the air fryer and I've got them on my head like that, trying to see which buttons I've got to press. <laughs> so God, is... you, you do, you're veering dangerously close towards the land of the very focal. Apparently so. Hey, Apparently Lucy, so. Your listeners can't see this, but I am well, I'm I'm putting I on my... my second pair of glasses, I which are my... very focals. I had my eyes tested in May and she said, you're doing really well for your age because apparently 46, 47 is the time where you descend into that mm-hmm. yeah. old age thing. Yeah. Um, you know, the post fifties people. Um, so, yeah. So, she, yeah. They go. gave me reading glasses when I was about 42 when I was like, reading glasses? <laughs> in addition to me seeing things far away glasses. And she was like, well, what do you expect? You're over 40. No, 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 not this, clearly. And then the next <laughs> one I went, it was, hey, do you know your glasses? They now cost four times as much. Yeah. Oh, and everything at the side is blurred. So that's a big improvement. But I got the very focals, and when I and they've got three prescriptions, one for seeing far away, one for seeing the computer and music, because I'm a musician and the music's quite far away, and mm. one for reading things that are close to you. And the computer ones are useless. The computer part of it, you can see the central, like a central circle of the computer screen beautifully. And the rest of the screen is completely blurred. I can't use it. So I've still got two glasses. So you're you're painting a real picture of you beavering away through the adoption barometer data. Yeah, this is <laughs> why that... I've, I've, these are my barometer glasses. I'm wearing them now. <laughs> your, your barometer glasses. Maybe you should talk to AUK about getting you maybe a budget for spectacles. <laughs> For barometer glasses. Yeah, well, that was my me trying desperately to segue from the mundane you, life like of to, middle-aged people. Would you it's like desperate. to focus on the actual content of the barometer that you've brought me here to talk about? Um, uh, well, I suppose that sh- we should do that, shouldn't we, Scott? But I wanted to set the scene before we got to the barometer. Firstly, um, how is all... Well, I mean, Scott, you, you're being very quiet, but please join in with your questions. Mm. Um. 
so firstly, what's it been like? It's been quite a year where you had went for almost a whole year without a CEO. Um, so were you just left alone in your in your barometer cupboard? <laughs> no, no. So just get on with it. Where's Becky? She's in a barometer cupboard. She's <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, 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 not really. Um, well, I mean, and, and I think I've been on the podcast before, and we've talked about things at Adoption UK before, and you've asked me various questions about changes at the yeah. top and i can only say what i always would say which is i am so far from the food chain and so far away from the actual office that i, I don't know it all kind of happens in a, another place for me uh, like I, I just keep going to work and doing my thing well and when i say going to work i mean coming downstairs and sitting at the dining room table doing my thing writing the barometer and all that and it's kind of um it's the fifth one this year so it's quite yeah, it's got quite a rhythm to it of what we do. So I finalised the questionnaire in like October, early November. So it yeah. starts. So I'm about to start again on next year's. To be honest, um, and I can't remember when all the changes happened. To be honest, because it, if it's not demarcated by before COVID or after COVID, I, I'm incapable <coughs> of remembering when like the timeline of things that took place. Um, so. so- that's me. You still stoning walling me. You're not. You're not going. You're not going to give me any sort of juicy tidbits, are you? But yeah. um, and I never know any. <laughs> well, yeah, I can't bring the goss. I just don't have. Do you know what? It depends on who you are and what you do and how many people you have on the inside and stuff. Um, but yeah, it was after. Um, I'm just trying to see now. So it all started to change. Um, oh. Sorry, I should have did. I should have actually looked up before I started notes. talking about you it. You could make notes. <laughs> yeah, some of us did. <laughs> <laughs> I told you already. I don't know which flipping um, podcast I'm doing these days. Um, so it was yeah, it was probably about January, February time because it was a couple Last of months year, after yeah. after, oh, yeah. the Ellen, after the Eleanor Bradford um, thing, um, and uh, yeah, and it just seemed to take them a long time to to be. Um, to to recruit, I guess, but you know, notice periods and find the right person. Yeah, I'm not sure how long a recruitment of a CEO of a charity should take, really. So I don't know. Yeah. But I mean, yeah. we I, there's several layers of other people between me and I mean, I can't emphasize this enough. I do I do come out occasionally to speak in public about various things, but there's several layers. So like for wow. me, my manager is still my manager. That's not changed. Nothing's changed there. And the team that does a barometer is the same team that does a barometer. So nothing's changed there. There are some changes to barometer this year, but um, don't try and get us onto the barometer. We, <laughs> we, we don't try and move us along. And so <laughs> I'm trying oh. to manage you. you are also you to... feeling managed? No, and well, you also I'm have not... to remember. You also have to remember. Al and I have a, 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 a what is it? Is it 2019 I left? So we're still in 2019 oh, yeah. Adoption UK, where mm-hmm. everything was very different. Yeah. There was fewer staff, there was f- less funding, all that sort of stuff. So in our heads, it's still got less than 50 staff, but it's not. I don't know. I don't know how many staff there are. Oh, come on, Ben. Really? Why on? would I know? Have you that? been Why on would media I training? No. You're not media, you're guys. Well, that's true. <laughs> Does Adoption UK know you're even here? <laughs> you know yes actually as it happens i oh, have right, managed okay, to right. achieve that feat of, uh, of whatever you're asking me if there have been changes yes there have been changes i think most notably um 
the most notable changes are probably the uh, enorm- the increase from a no- admittedly not very high starting point of adoptees all across the organisation from the trustees um, mm. and right across in lots of different areas. And um, I think that's probably the biggest change that you would notice since your time, Scott. Mm. That you know, and I think people are aware of that in general. That that kind of shift in focus, absolutely, yeah. and like a determined effort to you know, make sure that all these different voices are at the table at, at all the different levels, because I think, well, you can employ somebody and go, oh, we've got them. But yeah. really, unless people are there yeah. at, from trustee level, right and right across, it's not really meaningful. Yeah. Um, so, it, it, that, I mean, that's a weird thing, because sometimes there'll be questions raised about, well, how many adoptees does adoption you get? Well, I mean, really, I don't know, because I actually don't know the adoptive status of every individual that works at the organisation. So, you know, it's, it's not always information to just be shared willy-nilly, is it really? Yeah, it would um, be a bit weird, wouldn't it, if you, your staff <laughs> badge had your yeah. status on as well? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And for some job roles, it's it's more immediately relevant than for other roles isn't it but certainly on the trustees now i think uh, i think i was in a meeting the day where someone was saying there were three adoptees on the trustees and they were looking to increase that number so you know that obviously changes the the conversations that are being had Mm. and the viewpoints that are being brought so that this is good and it makes us all look everything we're doing and and so when I say there are changes in the barometer, some of that's reflected in the barometer now. And I think it's a like it's a positive step forward, isn't it? Really. So yeah, and I mean absolutely. we have to bear in mind that Adoption UK was started out as supporting adoptive parents, and it, it was started it as a parent support group. Exactly, and it didn't really. I mean, there was no intent. Well, I don't know. Maybe there was eventually to go down that route of supporting adoptees, but you know, it certainly just seemed to happen naturally, a, a natural progression. It wasn't somebody stood up. Uh, this is I'm talking about in my time. Nobody stood up and went, "We can make a fortune out of supporting adoptees. Let's go and no. do that." You know, because actually, no, there was no money in it at all. So. But I, I think actually. Um, well, I mean, I don't know. If I, I mean, I, I've been there what six years, ish. So I can't speak to the history. And like I say, I am at officer level, you know. So I'm not right. I'm not privy to any deep conversations. But it feels that certainly in the time that I've been there, Adoption UK has had more and more of a focus on policy, ad- policy change, mm. and advocacy for change. And I think as soon as you start to get into that, once you start leaving the arena of we're providing supportive not leaving that arena, but adding to that arena of support for for parents and support for families, and you start to advocate for real policy changes, you can't ignore the multitude of perspectives then, can you? Because policy change, as as is rightly said, policy change that, that impacts adopted children now, those adopted children will one day be adopt adult adoptees. Yeah. yeah. So policy change has a lifelong impact, just like adoption has a lifelong impact. You can't really so I think it immediately starts to make you have to have a broader perspective on on the work that you're doing. Um and it you know it it takes a long time to turn a battleship, you know what I mean? It take you know it, these changes yeah. of direction can be can be slow in coming. Yeah. And I think some sometimes that's kind of a right approach. Because what you really don't want is knee-jerk reactions of, oh my goodness, we need to do something about this. Yeah, and then yeah. and then just thinking that anything is something. And so that will be yeah. fine. That that's yeah. not good enough for people, is it? If people, yeah. particularly if there are communities that feel underserved and let's be honest, ignored, it, not just by adoption, but whole scale, 
Yeah. You, you can't, you can't, you can't serve those communities without listening to those communities. You, you, you can't just mm. make something up and say, "All right, we'll do this." Then it's got to be rooted in in the community themselves, haven't they? So, yeah, change takes time, but change yeah. is definitely definitely occurring. And I think that had begun before, to be honest, but will be continued now by Emily. Mm-hmm. So, excellent. No, I mean, I think that all do that you. All... Feel like it. <laughs> yeah. Just, the thing is, we had Emily on. We had Emily on not that long ago. You could have asked her. Oh, yes, Carol. Well, uh, what? Because on a board meeting, don't just typing away at my dining room table. Yeah, I can imagine it. Like Emily getting there on the first day, and they're going, "This is so and so," and they do this, and this is so and so. They're in charge of the pencils, and then this is, and then they go around everyone, and then they go, and then there's Becky, and she. <laughs> She's with her spreadsheets and her glasses, <laughs> and she does what she does, and that's how it is. It is a bit like that, because every time a new person comes to work for us, they say, well, we'll set up some meetings, you know, so you can get to know, and they'll go, this is Becky, she's the education policy advisor, and number one, no one knows what that means, really. Excellent. Well, I, I mean, including me, mainly me, um, because as I think I've said before, when your job is teacher, everyone knows what that is, right? But now I've moved into like office world, and everyone's got job titles that mean absolutely nothing to me. And then, yes. and then uh, you know, and then we'll say, right? So I'm the education policy advisor, and and what I do is, and then say a lot of things that don't sound a lot like education policy advisor. Well, yeah. But that's but that, I think this is why. Um, I, I really like this job and don't really want to ever leave because they really do let me do my thing. <laughs> do oh, you do that? Oh, cool! You do more of yeah. that then, and I'm like, I'm a big fan of that. Yeah, and they'll say, "When, when will it be ready?" And you go, well, "When I'm finished." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but the thing is, I mean, everybody's replaceable, obviously, but I think that the uniqueness of your role, because I remember when you started, because I was there and. Uh, at that time, <clears throat> and you say, "Oh, you're at officer officer level." And I think you downplay your role a bit, because, like from my perspective, anyway, because actually you really do deep dive into all of the kind of data and all that that's shoved in front of you, because you're a geek. You've admitted that before. Yeah, yeah, you're an I mean, absolute geek um, when it comes to that sort of stuff. And I think that actually it's really important that if if you're the person that's doing the barometer, that it's you that does it. Um, so I think you'd be very hard to replace if if you did leave and bringing someone up to speed who understands adoption as well from your from your perspective, um, that'd be really difficult. So I think if I was to ever leave, they'd find somebody else and they'd do it the way that they do it, I guess, yeah. and it would be different and probably great, you know. Yeah. So and, you know, it's just like yeah. that, isn't it? And exactly. we've learned on the job really because. Yeah. <laughs> I can't say that I was. I mean, this is not my. I mean, I've got a music and literature degree, so. Not really a foundation for in-depth statistical yeah. analysis, and but we get there, you know. But I, don't, yeah. I mean, what I am is incredibly nosy and desperately nerdy, and I always want to know. And if someone not gives that me... bloody nosy, she doesn't know what's going on in her own organisation. <laughs> not nosy what? about that. I don't care about that. That's oh, just, she's not as telling. long as no That's one bothers me. I'm not bothered. Oh, just <laughs> yeah, I can't tell you how little. <laughs> she knows everything, but won't tell us. That's the key. Uh, the tonnage of what I don't know would knock you over, I think. Um, oh, but yes, I can. Even if I see, like, you know, those adverts with eight out of ten people agree that it made their skin smoother. And then and I'm like, what's the small print say there? Oh, of 27 people. Oh, no. like, I can't help myself. So it's a perfect job for me. I can be really nerdy and desperately nosy all in one go. 
And then so sometimes it's... I've got to, you know, speak to actual people. So but I do my best. Yeah. And which uh, before we should really get onto the barometer itself and the contents. Maybe. Well, maybe we should. But the first thing is you didn't even go at the launch, Becky. Right. Isn't that outrageous? I know. Uh, yeah. Well, yeah. There's a launch well, a of a national barometer at the Houses of Parliament. And you're on what your a, holidays. What a slacker. What an unbelievable slacker. Which, yeah. Well, what happened there was, if I'm being totally <laughs> honest, um, that... Um, she found out I was going, so she went, right, I'm on holiday that week. I, like, I don't <laughs> no want to chance. see that. We've been Scots. No. Um, what happened was that I'd booked the holiday a really long time ago. And we, uh, when we had originally proposed that they launched the Bromiter would be a wee bit before that. And it had, unfortunately, due to various circumstances, the event had to be moved. Mm. And I was like, oh, I really love the adoption of I'm really invested in it, but I'm not cancelling my holiday. <laughs> Thankfully, everybody was fine with that. Because yeah. actually, you don't. I mean, I always find this weird. Like, Oh, you need to do X, Y, Z because you're the author of the barometer. I mean, I'm not. I don't Mm. really, I don't really see why. Well, this is terrible, isn't it? But I don't think it's a massive deal if I'm not at the launch of the barometer. But the thing is, there was two, there was two launches, wasn't there? There was a press launch first. I was was, there for that. Yeah, it was distributed. So you were there for interviews on the official bits and bobs. And then the the bit in Parliament was less... Yeah, and this is the bit where you have to, you know, network with people and introduce yourself and that. Oh, your favourite thing, Becky? Yeah, not my favourite thing, and I'm really bad at it. And I also, I tend to get outrageously northern. I like, listen to yourself. Could you, could you sound more northern? Holding a meat and potato pie and a pint. Really? Like, with, with like, absolutely, I've got Eccles cakes in my pockets and everything. (laughs) And um, last year... So Edward Timpson was there, and I was like, oh. Are you up, Chuck? Honestly. I well, remember going to, years ago, going to, um, what was it, that uh, National Something Awards that we all went to? Oh, the, the National. Uh, I remember yeah. that. Yeah. And I've got there really early, and I've gone in the cafe at um, the Foundling Museum. And as I went in, they looked like they were closing up. So I said to the woman, oh, you're closing up? And she said, what? I'd say it four times. She didn't understand what I was saying. And I'm like, gosh, London must be one of the most multicultural cities in the world. Literally everybody in London has got an interesting and unusual accent you've not heard before. I'm just from the north of this country. <laughs> and you have known I can't, I cannot get a coffee from you. <laughs> but I think it's because I just become super northern and a bit weird when yeah, well... allowed to range free range in public, you know. Just to what? just to allay allay your concerns about not being a great network, I was getting texts from Al all the time I was there. Speak to this person, get a photograph of this person. Da, 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 da. I was like, actually, do you know what, Al? My I, my anxiety levels are quite high at the minute, so I'm going to ignore you, and I'm just going to enjoy what I came to do. And I'm not going to speak. To, I'm not going to sidle up to Ed Timpson and say, "Fancy, fancy you do doing a quick selfie. Fi- yeah, exactly. Yeah, no. you went to a conference recently, a really great conference, really good speakers. I was speak, and I was speaking at it. When I say really good speakers, I mean the other people, and I was also there. And um, someone said to me, <laughs> "Can you get a selfie?" Someone said to me, "Can you get a selfie of yourself with one of these speakers?" And I was just like, "No, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> absolutely no chance of that happening because I cannot envision any circumstance in which I could be able to walk up to a total stranger and go, "Can I have a selfie?" <laughs> exactly. Now, oh. utterly melting down like a fool. 
Yeah. I've got, I've got See, I think professional decorum here. I'm speaking. I'll, I'll, I'll generally just sidles up to them and then gets their attention to look at his camera and then he just goes snap and he doesn't even ask them. <laughs> I, and, I'm not. And then says, the selfies. and then says, are you, are you all right with that? I it's think that's true. your approach. That's your but approach. I can't believe you were in a room with Edward Timpson and you didn't ask him to come on the podcast because he would have come on. And he's kind of like, he's a really interesting figure in the world because he's, he's got lived experience and he brought us the ASF. He brought, he's our Scott man. Anyway, look, the adoption. Let's see how man. he gets on to the next general election and then we'll decide whether we're going to. Right. Okay. And then we'll lobby hard. Um, yeah. So the adoption brummer, year yes. five. Um, serious. Serious stuff. Mm -hmm. <laughs> this, is, this is a terrible terrible idea and um, i read through it and read through the executive summary and, and Gosh, did you sure and look but it's like 120 pages long i mean i'm impressed you don't you want an award <laughs> honestly you're you're a very unruly um oh, look, I, say, got, got I read through it as well wow Excellent. you've got a copy well, of it i actually <laughs> read it I read yeah. something that didn't oh, have you, pictures <laughs> and pop-ups in it. You have warm little cockles of my heart there. Because I, oh, I appreciate it's quite the thick documentary. Um, yeah, so there was a few things that stood out, not necessarily in statistics, because I think the statistics kind of follow a pattern to an extent, but really in sense of its tone. And it's there was sort of a sense of ev evolution that had maybe not been present in the last one, um, and that was included, well, even before we got into it, there's kind of this conversation at the beginning about language. So, mm. um, which has been really contentious, you know, Adoption UK, I've seen some terrible trolling of Adoption UK. I'm going to call it trolling because it is trolling, isn't it? Um, I've seen some terrible, and and it's felt like that there was a, a shift in, because I presume that you wrote the whole thing. Yeah. Except yeah. not the forwards, obviously. Yeah. 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 Apart from you. <laughs> I don't actually write the forwards and say, I'm just going to put your name against this. I don't, we don't do that. <laughs> Some no, random no. people. <laughs> yeah. But pick a picture yeah. and uh, make an imaginary thing, they'd say. Um, so can you tell me sort of your thinking behind that? What what was the, what precipitated that and what, um, what were we trying to communicate, really? Well, with the notes about language has always been in it, actually. I think I'm pretty right. sure it was in there from the first one. And the reason, I mean, obviously it slightly shifts and change over the years because there were, there were obviously, you know, not everybody agrees on the right language, but I think mm. the reason that we had put that in the very first one was in recognition of the understanding that a lot of the words that are routinely used to do like contact placement, a lot of these words, even five, well, yeah, five and a half years ago when we were doing the first survey were controversial and difficult even then. However, mm. these words are still the words that are used in policy and legislation. So if you're going to interrogate policy and legislation, you need to be talking about the same thing. Yeah. And the best way to make sure that you talk about the same thing is to call it the same thing. Um, so we do, um, and there have been shifts. If you you know, if you read the first barometer, which I'm not expecting you to do right now, but, nope. but if you, you know, going back to the very first barometer, we use the term uh, disruption a lot. And we had immediate feedback about that. Um, we've tried to come up with a more representative phrasing for what happens mm. um, when a family reaches those desperate situations i think it's still not perfect and mm -hmm. um, we've, we've had some feedback that it's perhaps too soft 
you know, um, from an adoptee perspective, that, that that kind of phrasing of it, the soft phrasing is maybe not representative for, for some adoptee viewpoints. So yeah. like, we're always trying to walk this line of, of but, but the, what's really important is when you're reading the adoption barometer, that you know what it is, that everyone everybody's got the same idea of what's being talked about. And when yeah. you write a survey, you know, if everyone calls it disruption, even though that's not the right term for it, if you don't call it disruption in your survey, straight out the bat, people are confused and they're giving you confused answers to the survey. Mm. So every time you don't use the easy word that everyone just uses, even though it might not be the right word, you need to back it up with a load of explanations as to what it is you're actually talking about. And that can make survey design difficult. I mean, survey design is difficult anyway. But that, that's just how that goes. So the word, the stuff about language has always been there. The things that have changed most recently is there's been, as I'm sure you're aware, a lot of discussion around adoptee, adopt, adult adoptees, adopted adults, adopted yeah. people. <laughs> what's the terminology there? Um, I can only say that um, the 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 original decision to move towards using adopted adult as opposed to adult adoptee was as a result of a survey that we ran. The results were fairly close. It wasn't really ultra decisive, yeah. but adopted adult did come out. Um, yeah, the you highest, know, yeah. and then then again, and then of course, you know, then there's subsequent feedback that that this is not a, an acceptable term uh, or, or the right term to be using. So yeah, you know, there just needs to. I think what I'm trying to achieve there is clarity about what why we're doing what yeah. we're doing, yeah. even if you in the end massively don't agree with it. At least it's come out as you can see that it's come You've as a, a, we've put some thought into it. We did got a clear rationale, it. haven't you? Yeah, you know, because I think people would be, I think people would be shocked. Actually, I think people would be stunned, surprised if they if they really saw how sometimes how long I really do spend trying to articulate some of these complicated ideas in a way that is sensitive. I'm almost certain not not going to get that right on every occasion yeah. perhaps not even on most occasions I and mean, we just do our best but it's certain these are certainly not things that are written down without thought yeah. certainly not five years into the barometer I, I think it's fair to say that in the first year of the barometer we were just putting it out there and seeing what would happen you know mm-hmm. but this this far along the line you know the, the choice of the language and the choice of even the structure of it the choice of the, the questions the choice of of all of this stuff is is quite heavily thought through and not just by me, not just me doing it with bringing in other voices, consulting with adoptee groups. You, you know, there's a lot of that that goes on um, in no, order I, to try and make it at least, you know, it may not meet everyone's, yeah. what everybody feels they need, but at least you, we've given it some thought yeah. rather yeah. than just yeah. doing something out. Yeah, I guess it just depends on how they identify, doesn't it? It's- you know, if they identify as an adopted adult, then they're an adopted adult for them. And if they're an adult adoptee, then they're an. So I guess it just depends on how they, you know, how they identify themselves. Yeah, and I think sometimes, um, sometimes I get a bit like, oh, it's just words, you know. Yeah. <laughs> like because sometimes yeah. I, but on other occasions, sometimes people refer to me as. So I, I've been on the show before. The regular listeners will know that I home educate my children and when people say oh you homeschool your children it, I have to stop myself from going no I don't I home educate my children because those two things are not the same so actually oh, yeah, although sometimes yeah. I can be a bit yeah. like oh 
like this is a lot of finagling over this one word but mm. actually if i'm being honest to me it matters sometimes language does matter but i think the difficulty comes up when we're using language to describe a concept that is stigmatized and um when the concept is stigmatized the language will eventually also be stigmatized and you can change the language every three years if you like but until you destigmatize the concept the language we use to describe the concept will always be stigmatized mm. And so I think where I get frustrated with language is sometimes I think discussions around language are not invalid yeah. and uh, can be very important, but they rarely deal with the, in some, where it's an issue where the problem is that the issue is stigmatised, discussions about language yeah. rarely deal with that underlying issue. Mm. And I've seen looked after children called all kinds of things, even yeah. since I became a foster carer. Uh, 12 or 13 years ago, the, the name of what we call looked after children has changed. When I was a youngster, they were in care. They were care kids. Uh, and then they got rid of care, in care kids because that yeah. was stigmatised and it went to being looked after. And now we're getting rid of looked after because that's become stigmatised. But the problem isn't the, the problem is the language, but the deeper problem is we as a society stigmatise care experience mm. and we view it, it as a terrible, negative and bad thing to have <clears throat> had to have been in care and sadly, some people stigmatised those who are care experienced and think negative things about them because they are care kids or they've been in care or or they've, they've got stereotypical ideas of what they're like. And until we can really address that, it sort of almost doesn't matter what language we use because it will always become stigmatised after a while anyway because you're not addressing societal attitudes towards care is that i mean is that serious enough for you or no but that, <laughs> because then, i'm getting a bit intense then. <laughs> no no but i think it, it it's a, such a consuming debate and i think when you couch it in those terms and you start to think well then the whole issue about adopted adult adult adoptee that actually well, you're not getting anywhere near the issue are you no well, and, and that issue is incredibly personal for each person as well so it's it's like Whatever you're damned if you do, you're damned if you don't. There, yes. in five years' time, there might be another form of words that mm. some people feel comfortable with, yeah. or not. Yeah, there will be, and and that's absolutely fine. And what's important along the way is that we treat each other respectfully, and as far as we possibly can, we use the terminology that people would prefer to be used. That that's the yeah. best. That's yeah. what we can do along the way. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. So we were we, talking we, about this. We were talking try. about this on, on the previous podcast, actually. For, um, with Paul, um, who uh, so I, because of this, this um, people identifying as queer these days, and I find that term very offensive. And I don't identify as queer; I I identify as gay. But I'm like, well, if that's how you want to refer to yourself, that's fine. But I identify as gay, so you know, I've looked at all the stuff that you've you know provided to me to to you know. But that's how I identify, and I respect that you identify differently. Yeah, you know, and, yeah. And I think, you know, I mean, this is, that's obviously not my area, but I, 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 you know, I grew up in the 80s. Like, I remember what the 80s was like, and I remember how that word was used yeah. back mm -hmm. in the, I mean, you know, when I was at school, when I was at university. I remember that. And so I think for a lot of people, language has a deeper context. Yeah. And, uh, you know, resonates with particular experiences that they have had. And I can see how a young LGBTQ person coming into adulthood now doesn't identify yeah. that word with those experiences yeah. may yeah. identify other hmm. words or situations yeah. with those kinds of experiences but you know like mm. q bashing was a thing was i mean it was yeah. just it was exactly. a thing yeah. um and like yeah. a, you know so these are like 
I don't like to use the word, but th- these are triggering, oh, yeah. Yeah. triggering yeah. moments. But and I think it's the same in when we talk about anything to do with adoption and social care. You know that the word the words that we're using are in a much wider context and sometimes a historical context that that have a meaning for people that those on the outside of that wouldn't necessarily comprehend yeah. really so we just need to we just need to be listening and responsive and respectful absolutely yeah. Yeah. on a wise note i think that reading through the the barometer itself i think that the, a lot of the words are really well chosen not just necessarily that in terms <laughs> of the language we use but just in terms of the description of issues I really liked what you'd written about child to parent violence. I, I thought there was, it was just a really, it was just a couple of paragraphs just hidden away in there. And I thought, oh, that's re- a lot of thoughts gone into that. So yeah. that's not just like a, oh, da, 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 da. these are some stats. It was like, oh, and I think that's reflected all the way through. And then, um, you know, I'll, I am going to, I cut and paste it. And I'm going to put it on my Facebook page because I thought, oh, that is really spot on. But we haven't even got to the barometer yet, really. We haven't got to the stats and the figures. So, Right. I'm not sure that, well. Would you like to ask me if there's anything surprising in it? Because you ask me that every <laughs> day. I, I was tempted to ask you that, but what I, maybe the question I was going to ask is actually, um, the first barometer, that feels like a good question. The second barometer, that's a good question. But then actually when you get to the fifth, the barometers, the individual barometers stop being, is, are they, do they stop being as important as all of the barometers together? And, well, and maybe. So do you start to see them as part of this narrative that is, so what, where is the narrative heading? That's maybe my question. Yeah. So (laughs) I like it. I like it because actually, as you would know, almost nothing was surprising to me about this year's barometer. It's the fifth (laughs) one, you know, a lot of the questions we've asked again and again, um, we had new questions in this year, but really the new questions that we asked and the people that we asked them to really told us exactly what we knew they would tell us and that is partly because when we choose to address a particular issue it's because it's been brought to our attention as an issue where there are where there are concerns so we Mm -hmm. expect to get lots of responses saying this is terrible this is not working yeah you know we kind of expect that um but but we do try and i think mm, yeah so let's get formulate answer that actually vaguely answers your question yes the barometer is a body of work now over seventeen thousand responses um in five years mostly from adoptive parents, but now increasingly from adoptees as well. Um, it's just a rich source of data. If I perhaps could make a wish, I would make a wish that doing the barometer and interrogating the data and producing briefings and reports based on the data was my actual only job because it's my job for four and a half months of the year and then the rest of the year I have other actual work to do. So, and, you know, in that time, there is time to do the survey crunch the numbers in a very speedy kind of way, a very a very surface and top line kind of way. I mean, we filter by nation, but that's about it. And there's so much cross-filtering and comparison you could do um, to, to, to interrogate the different experiences of different groups. And like I said, I'm nosy, so I'd like to be able to do more of that. And sometimes I do a little side project. Um, but but this is why this year when it came to um, what we were going to look at in depth, so every year we picked this one topic to study in depth, FASD, we did education, we did contact. And this year I was like, can we just do like a five-year retrospective? Can we just do? Mm. I think that's what everyone's going to want at the end. It's an yeah. ideal opportunity. I think that's what people are going to want. Well, yeah, that's interesting, 69% that, 72% that, 14% that. But what's changed since 2018 when you yeah. – so, I mean, the first promise was in 2019, but we were asking about 2018, what's changed? 
Um, and the sad truth is, <laughs> a lot of things haven't really changed. Um, right. and, and I would have loved to have put in loads of spiky graphs with big upticks of wonderfulness. Um, but the truth was, a lot of the graphs when I made them were just basically lines with a slight you know, undulation in mm. them or lines with a massive aberration during COVID and then pretty much back to normal afterwards. Um, but what I think it did allow us to see was that there were some areas where specific things have been done and immediate improvement has been seen. Uh, I think the most glaring example of that has been, like, and it, it almost feels like a small thing, but back in t- about 2019, Wales, the National Adoption Service in Wales produced this uh, really quite nice set of guidance for professionals and anybody, actually, but professionals and parents about life journey work. Um they're the good materials. Um, and then immediately after that, everyone in Wales was really happy with the life journey work all of a sudden. It shot up by like nearly 20 percentage points. Right. You know, and I think, um, I think obviously Wales is a, you know, it's five point something million people. It's got this national service so it can bring in these wholesale guidance and changes uh, within its networks in that way. I think in England, you'd be looking at doing that at a regional adoption agency level. Yeah. I mean, obviously there'll be national guidance, but I think in terms of driving real change, yeah. you'd probably be looking to do that at regional adoption agency level. Now, I don't spend a lot of time speaking to REA leaders because, you know, junior, right? <laughs> um, <laughs> but what I do sometimes see is that um, I do occasionally get some somebody from an RAA contact me and say, do you have any data on X? Because we're looking to improve Y. And and if you if you've got any barometer data on that that can help us as we research this issue and try to improve it, that'd be really helpful. And I always provide it because I would like to see things improved. Hmm. And um, and what that tells me is that in pockets around the country, various people are looking at improvements. And I think it, it's a shame almost that we can't get down on a more regional level to to see what's happening in that RAA or that RAA to see whether you know the issues have been what the mm. issues are and what, what's been addressed because an aggregate picture for England or the UK is masking really a huge variation probably mm. um, in the quality of what's being done. Where do we see the barometer going? You were kind of asking that question, weren't you really? Yeah. We're having, uh, I think it's probably okay to say that we're having ongoing conversations about what we think the barometer should be looking like in future. It is, um, it is, it, it's an enormous document. It's not too big a document for us to do, uh, but it's quite a big document for people to read, <laughs> if I'm being yeah. really honest. Yeah. You'll see that we've made changes this year to the structure of the document, the way the scoring is done, to try to make that more transparent. And I think, um, so moving towards the, it being a, a, a really measurable benchmark, I think is something I, I would like to see happening more. It, it does get picked up and mentioned in various strategies and government documents and bits and pieces. But I think being able to say, look, 46% said this last year. Can we get that to 50%? It's not much, but it's a start. Like this is the specific, these are the specific things that we need to try to improve. And we've tried to be a lot more explicit and transparent in what the scores are for some of the key things. Um, But we're also talking about, you know, do we need to do the full shebang every year or do we perhaps need to do it slightly less frequency so people have got time to digest it and think things through? Um, you know, doing a barometer every second year might show up bigger changes because things take a while to embed and change. I'm not saying we're going to do that. I'm just saying there are conversations. Um, yeah. So, so you know, it's it's. I think it's been 
it's not changed much in the past five years, but that's not to say that it will be done the same way forever, yeah. really. I think that's interesting that, that, that that's been given consideration. I hope it doesn't go to two years, I have to be honest, because I think that it's great to see it come out every year, even if it's just slight changes, whether it's down, up, doesn't matter. I, I, I And the one thing that actually, because I'm, um, I know Al's going to chat to you about this in a minute, but I do love the way that you've you've shown how it was in 2018 compared to how it is now, because I think that that really does prove that the whether it's a barometer or whether it's people just developing their services or whatever, it's things are changing slightly, maybe yeah. not massively, but they are changing, and I think that's a great thing to see over that five year period. So, for you know, for me as as a as an adopter reading this. You know, to go every two years for me would just be like, oh, well. Yeah, I mean, if it was down to my personal preference, I'm happy to do it. Every, I mean, I, this yeah. is not, you know, but I think <laughs> these, these are conversations that are being had Absolutely. just around yeah. of like, yeah. are we def are we definitely using it? Are we definitely using this resource in the best way that it could be used? Yeah. Are we putting it mm. to the best use, re really? Uh, I'm not sure <clears> what the thing, I'm not sure what the thing is about that. I will say, though, when I'm writing the barometer, there are only so many ways to say something like, like, why has no one got the life story book by the time? <laughs> <Do you laughs> yeah. Some yeah. of the issues yeah. that are reoccurring, it's it's quite the feat to write about that for a fifth time and not just use, not just copy and paste. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so it's going to get harder and harder, right. isn't it, every year? Every year, like, can we? Like, why, why is Please. this? You know, so there are some kind of really, um, yeah, some really like sticky issues that look to me as though I feel like this could be an easy win. Yeah, you know, getting live story books done mm. within the statutory time frame, or uh, so there are things like that. But I think um, what the barometer does is it highlights areas. What it doesn't, it's not able to do is really drill down into what's actually going on there. You know, the, yeah. the adopters that are filling mm -hmm. that question in, they don't know why the live story book. No. took so long or maybe they do but you know there isn't a question about that because i don't no. want everyone's guesses as like, forming part of barometer <laughs> yeah but, uh, yeah but is there i mean obviously we've we've moved to a position now where yeah i guess it's it's been in position a year the national strategic adoption board adoption strategic board can't remember um, and that's kind of a new thing whereas it used to be the aslgb the adoption special guardian leadership board which was a catch-all, but now we've got this, which is very specific. It's kind of very, feels very focused. I don't know whether you've had any dealings with them, with Sarah Jahal, and she's got a small what? team. No. No. <laughs> they don't let you out of the cupboard I mean, that often, do no, you? I, I mean, you know, I, I, it's nice in the cupboard. I don't need to be trotted <laughs> out of every... <laughs> I, I, I get it, I get it. A little thought cupboard. Um, but it feels like that that this is a tool for them. You know, like you said, this... That that if I was a national strategic lead, I'd be going right. Where are we, like you said, where are the quick wins? And and life story work might be the one thing because in theory, yeah. Sarah Jahal can sit, what is it, thirty two leaders, RAA leaders in a room and go right. We've give it. Let's give it a year. Let's let's all commit to doing that one thing, uh, mm -hmm. as well as all the other stuff. But let's. What are the barriers? What do we? What can we help you with? Can we get? This RA to talk to that RA because they're doing it great and you're struggling. You feel like that's really <laughs> tangible, but the the barometer feeds that, doesn't it? Because it gives the national picture yeah. which the the board needs. I think it does, and I think, um, I mean, in a way, and we didn't use to ask this question 
but in the last couple of promises, we have we have asked people which RAA area they live in in England, um, and which mm-hmm. region they live in um, in other nations, and we don't do a lot with that information. Mm. Uh, not by choice, really, but just um, if you're going to interrogate, for example, adopt a prep in one RAA, you need yeah. more than six people to have filled in your survey, right? So, like, yeah. mm. um, but I think one of the things that um, so so this year, where RAAs have had more than a certain number of respondents from their RAA, we are offering all those, all those RAAs like a one-page summary of their results. Right. Just for like, I think it's about twenty-three really key yeah. indicators, um, and then the, there's the opportunity for follow-up more in depth, potentially. Um, Are they public? What they want. Um, oh no, you're asking me now. No. Well, I'm oh. saying no. No, I haven't had that conversation with anybody, so I don't know. Because right. I'm my what I'm responsible for is making a one-page summary of this. Yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> I'm not responsible for quite... speaking to RAs about the thing. Um, I think we've got to be really careful in some that's ways. sensitive um, data, that, isn't it? It's really sensitive data. Mm. So what, what they would be getting is purely, um, you know, I felt that social workers listened to me and understood our family during my assessment and approvals process. England agreement, 92%. Your RA agreement, 91%. I mean, that that's mm. what you're getting. Yeah. So there's no danger in that of 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 people being of like people becoming identifiable, but I think we do need to be sensitive about that. Yeah. Um, in the sense of um, yeah. you know, when people are filling the survey, and I used to um, fill in the fostering network survey every year, and every year they ask you what, <laughs> what local authority you foster for, and it's like, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, like I'm really having to trust you with this information because. Yeah. Actually, this is there's not that many foster carers working for my local authority. And if one of the social workers from my local authority read my responses, they would definitely know it was me. Like, <laughs> you know, there's only so many that live in, the, you know, that have, how many children have you fostered this year? Was it long term? Yeah. By the time you put all that yeah. data in, you become identifiable, don't you? Um, so, so you know, and I think there's a sense in which people could feel that way about the Bromwich. And that's why we were mm. really reluctant to ask people where they were living any more than just the country that you're in. But I think, like I was saying earlier, for us, because it will often boil down to pockets of excellent practice making a real difference. Yeah. And then if you can identify that excellent practice and highlight it yeah. and right, so so being able to interrogate that data can sometimes throw up that kind of thing. Um we when we uh, I think it was last year, um we asked a lot of questions about contact and we asked um adopted adults a lot of questions about contact. And um, we were particularly, no, it was this year, I think. It was this year Uh, because we asked about records, accessing records. And um, we got a few comments and I was looking at the comments uh, because we were, were, some people, if you want, when you fill the bromancy, you can say that you'll be willing to be considered as a case study. And so we were looking for case studies on this and I was looking through the comments that had been given. And of course, if you say you want to be um, a case study, you'll give some contact details so I can, see where you like what part of the country you're from um and um it was interesting and i'm not i'm not going to say where but there were not a lot of positive comments of people's experiences of accessing their records but there were five really positive ones and four of them were from the same place Mm. now that's not guaranteed that they all yeah access their records through the same place because they may have you know but straight away to me i'm like what are they doing there 
Mm. Are they doing something there that is making these people's experience of this, frankly, car crash situation when you look yeah. at actually the data so much, so much better apparently uh, than elsewhere? Now it's too small a sample size for us to do anything with that. But it, it to me it raises all these kinds of questions. If you can get in, even if you don't publish that, even if you don't make public what you've seen, it, it can it can help you to spur further investigation into what is going right. And when we when we can identify what is going right, and then we can roll it out for more people, then hopefully more people get the benefit of of that. But I suspect mm-hmm. that I mean, really, that's probably what the group whose acronym I can't remember that you were just talking about. It's probably what they're doing, right? Because like you think. I think that's what they're probably doing," she said, confidently. Well, one would hope. I think they are. Yeah. I think, I mean, I think I mean, that's my the basic deal is, of that, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, I feel like they are. They are a pretty um, switched-on group, much more task-focused and sort of much more practice-based than what was before, which was a bit of a catch-all. And I think it's probably I am always meant to be. Yeah, it was always meant to be temporary. I think the ASLGB. I think so. Anyway, um, yeah, cool. So, um, I really liked the uppy downy thing as well, but I have a slight, I have a slight problem with it being colorblind. That it made me go funny. I couldn't literally. I got a slight level of anxiety looking at it because it's um, it's doing the red, green, amber thing, isn't it? Is it? Yeah, it's not very accessible, is it? Is it not very accessible for you? Um, green and amber are the same color to me. Um. One in 12 men, apparently, Becky. One in 12 men. I mean, that's really not very inclusive of me, is it? Sorry. No. <laughs> Apologies. Um, no, it's fine. It, but what I mean, I'm Did, just... I don't I'm... think they've always been red, green and amber, have they? I feel like that was a slight <clears throat> change for this year. I think some of them used to be grey. Yeah. Anyway, um, that's really something to bear in mind. Gosh. What, I feel quite I, what, mortified all of a sudden. Told off. What what is odd? What I mean, you can't make it. I mean, I, I totally get it. And all of it. So in terms of colours and things, so don't do purples and blues. But we'll not get into it because I can't tell I can't I'm red, green, colourblind. There's different versions of the colourblind. But um so just anyway, not to self, not, not to the inclusion team. Yeah. <laughs> They'll come and get you in the cupboard, won't they? Yeah. We're going in. There's a there's a book on colour, apparently. He spent fifteen minutes before you came in telling me all about it. Yeah. There's a book on I mean, colour. To be fair, they tend not to leave the design up to me because I have, right. you know, all the design acumen right. of the slug. <laughs> to so... be honest, I, I used to just ignore it, but one, I, I used to go to the DFE and they'd have these incredibly complicated, when we used to go and be in person and they'd have these like PowerPoint presentations and with like eight different colours. And I used to go, excuse me, can you tell me what the colours are? Because I'm colourblind. And everyone would go, you could see, and it was just a bit of it wasn't mischief, it was just a bit of like, I have no idea what's going on, I'm just guessing. It's totally um, no, honestly, you're absolutely yeah. right. We should have a I, we should have a chat, probably not live on air, no, <laughs> about you know, straight from the horse's mouth, a, 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 you know, yeah. something that would help. Well, with I, was, that. I was very surprised earlier when he, when he was telling me about it because I've always gone, Oh, you're colorblind, not thought any more about it. When he told me his coffee is the same color as garden peas, green. So he drinks green coffee in his eyes, but to him it doesn't. It doesn't like to me. Yeah, yeah. I wouldn't drink green coffee because that would be like, oh, why is my coffee green? Well, that's just the colour of your just, coffee, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I, I think that's quite a thank you for that earlier, Al. I will never take the Mickey out of your colour blindness again. Oh, the one well, of the most upset, 
setting things that ever happened to me was someone um i bought something that was i thought was a certain color and then i opened it and they were there and I, and i'd spent a lot of money on it and then they went oh no it's a different color and i was like i've just spent all this money and i thought it was this color and they 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 kept the joke going and i Oh, and it was a joke and it was the right color all along it was yeah and i couldn't oh that's tell. mean oh, oh i was genuinely but that if you look into it what you discover is that there's a lot of people are especially in schools and education is that a lot of stuff is linked to colors that we it, it's just so so much of a given that we don't even say all the children go and pick up a purple pen or go and pick up yeah. a, you know sit on the red thing go and sit on the green go you know all and so um, even things like um, high-vis vests between orange and green high-vis vests. So kids like it. And so you just, you, you get you get these kids that were just mildly confused all the time and don't know why, what, they just follow the crowd, which is probably what I did. So yeah. much of that. And I'll tell you what, I, um, because I think sometimes the barometers, you know, it's quite long and there's a lot of words in it. And I do tend to get super wordy. Uh, and and need to be no. I need to uh, yeah do, yeah. I know you'll be stunned, <laughs> but I do and I do make the effort to edit myself somewhat. Sometimes I just go in and delete whole paragraphs. Like you just don't even need that whole paragraph is <laughs> not required. Um, but in order to try and make the barometer more, you know, accept like more accessible, ironically, mm. uh, but sort of less, you know, just dense with wordy. text and yeah. yeah. I've started putting a lot more <laughs> graphics in. And um, I have an ongoing conversation with my manager where she will review it and then go, uh, you've not really explained this graph. And I'll be like, if I have to explain the graph, it defeats the... Like, we have this conversation every time. I'm not explaining the graph. People just need to look at the graph, right? If I have to explain the graph, it defeats the object of having the graph. You, <laughs> then you have the graph and the paragraph, and you might as well just have the paragraph. But now, Al, I'm totally thinking, I need to revisit this view, because if the graph's all in weirdy colours that don't make sense to you, well, you, are, you completely also need the paragraph. Well, you have, you have to do a lot of logic leaps. One of the things that's really difficult, I think, for a lot of colorblind people is so it, it, often people you'll have graphs and I can tell there's three different colors of lines. I can yeah. tell that or four different colors of lines. I can see they're different. And then the key is on the side, but I can't, I, I, I like to have no color memory. So I'll look at the key and then I, I won't be able to match them to, and I just go, oh, I reckon sales are up this year. I'll just guess. Just, I mean, just make this, a random guess. This is the thing. You, you, you look at the key two of the colours look the same to you, then you look at the lines, which of the mm. lines relates to which thing of the key. Yeah, Is that so a thing? A a yeah, so we, we, yeah. I feel like we've slightly hijacked the um, the whole barometer thing. <laughs> um, like my wheels, you know, I'm going to have to go away now and read 400 articles about colour blindness because that will, that you, um, you've sent me down a thing, but it won't do me any harm. Well, it is fascinating and, be... and there's, there's very little actually written. It's surprisingly, um, I was saying to Scott beforehand, I went, I was invited to go to a, some research about color blindness that and it was just like this one this phd researcher was going oh there's nothing i i'm no. it there's, there's nothing it's just presumption and we don't test children for it anymore um but they're not no so children don't know that they're colorblind it's an often it's yeah, genetic family genetics. why would we not it takes like 10 minutes oh you, you can think yeah, with do the dots online. right look at the dots yeah can you see a butterfly or whatever yeah and I mean, interestingly, you can I can see things that you can't see. So they they can put things in the dots that you can't can't see. And they used to use um, colorblind people to pick out um, camouflage in the second wall to photographs. They can go. So I was saying to Scott as well. And um, my daughter, who's got brown skin, she's you know dual heritage. If she puts foundation on, it looks uh, she looks brown most of the time. But if she puts foundation on, it's pea green. 
And to her, it's a perfect match. And to me, it's not. I can, I, I, I honestly, I've got an app that Shaw's own. She thinks it's hilarious. But yeah, there you go. Anyway, we're, we're totally uh, off the beaten track here. And, I, and I'm just, I can just see bonkers. next week's bro, next year's Bromerton now at the back. There'll be our credit black to Al Coates for. It'll be a black and white. It'll be so much cheaper to print out. Be crap. Anyway, Al, thanks for coming on a podcast and telling me all about your colour blindness. Next week yeah. on Becky's podcast, I'll be interviewing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, autism and everything you needed to know about autism, uh, <laughs> hidden disabilities. Um, oh dear, Becky, uh, we've used up an hour of your time, a full on hour. Um, I would recommend people read it. I think it, people need if if you're part of the adoption community, you need to read the adoption barometer, and you need to do it as well. Um, so do you get this period now where you just kind of chill out for a bit? Do you do you write it and then lay down in your cupboard and take a big breath and then? So what are you doing in between the barometer? Ending and starting. I, I, the barometer is published. I go on holiday immediately, uh, as sometimes <laughs> too soon, as we discussed earlier. Yeah. Um. Then I will respond to ten billion requests about the data in the barometer. Um. Yep. And most years I will create a, a, a summarized version for Wales that can also be translated into Welsh. Oh yeah. Uh, so, uh, or I or I will provide stuff yeah. to enable someone else to create that um it just depends how it's being done and <coughs> um, i will probably do a couple of side projects of my own just because i'm a bit interested <laughs> and produce some oh. uh, briefing reports on things we haven't looked at before so this year i've taken a little look at so often in the years i'll, I'll filter out um different types uh, respondents with different characteristics undergoing <laughs> approvals and matching because i'm just quite interested to see if if you know, or if you're of a religious faith, or if you've got if you're LGBTQ, or if you this, if it, is your experience with approvals and matching similar to or different than other people? The first time mm. I did this was BAME respondents, and it was staggering. I, I mean, it threw up some shockers, actually, some quite really quite interesting things. Um, and of course, all that can then support um, Adoption UK and anybody who asked for it, actually, um, to you know, to be able to respond in particular policy areas with these particular points of view. This year, I've spent a little time looking at religious and non-religious uh, prospective adopters to see if there are any differences. And sometimes you go down these little rabbit holes and there's no differences, really. It's pretty much the same. But sometimes Ooh. you find surprising little nuances. And there were some little differences. Yes, I had a little interesting time. Ooh. I can tell you that religious adopters are more likely to be a bit older. They're more likely to be adopting into an existing family. Yeah. Children. And consequently, there's a number of knock-on effects from that because they're, because they're more likely to be adopting children, either children they already foster, um, children, or they've got birth children already, or they've got adopted children already, but they're not adopting mm. siblings necessarily. So there's a few knock-on impacts from that, like they're more likely to have a preference about the age, have narrower preferences about age of the child, even sex of the child. Um no, I'm not saying they all do, just more likely to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The majority yeah. of them don't, but the, the minority that do is a little bit more. Yeah. Bit more Can I ask you about that then? Because I'm, I'm at the death. I'm interested in some of the figures. Um, are they overrepresented within the adoption community? People of faith. Um, how many people of faith are there in the country, Al? What's the proportion? I don't know. Do you know? Three. <laughs> I don't know what the proportion is of right. um, people of faith nationally, to be really honest. Um, right. So, but any, your listeners, I'm sure, can Google that. I won't do it now because it'd be rude if I start tapping on my phone while I'm meant to be talking to you. Uh, but in terms of uh, prospective adopters, and this year's barometer, it was about uh, one-third to two-thirds. So about a third of faith and two-thirds not of faith. Maybe a little over a third. Mm. I suspect that's 
high. Oh, um, <laughs> I don't well, know I'm, though. I mean, I'm thinking about all the time. I, I, bear in mind, this isn't like obviously it's not data as such, but I'm thinking about all my years sitting on panels where adoptive parents were coming through and the, uh, the ones who were of faith, as I said, um, <clears throat> they were rare. So I think that is probably quite high. Um, I don't know. And bear in mind that the the the, the, the um, agencies that I was doing it for they're varied. Some of them were private. Some uh, some of them were voluntary. Someone some were um, local authorities. So, yeah, that's that that is really interesting. I mean, you've actually. got to wonder if there's been an impact of, for example, Home for Good. Yeah, who, yeah. I, who I, are what I, maybe eight, exactly eight what years thinking. old yeah. now. Yeah. That kind of um, length of time they've been going, and um, you know the very specific yeah. work they've been doing around around that. So I won't come on the podcast anymore. Oh, did no. you? Did you? Were you rude? No, I don't. I don't know. I, well, I started to respond to their emails on Friday evenings when they say, "Hi, Al," and "How's your weekend <laughs> going to be?" And I was going, "Oh, they're asking me a question." And then after that, they refused to come on the podcast. Or it was just there was diary clashes that went on for about six years. Um, but well, not, not everybody can be so amazing on the podcast as me. Also, yeah, oh, I mean, you, you are the, you are top draw. You are top draw. And um, <laughs> when I when I adopted in nineteen ninety nine, first time round, I was told that a third of adopters are people of faith and that i don't know where that figure came from but that was just some what someone told me um i think it's there's a very whole interesting thing goes on around motivations to adopt whoa. um and i think we, i did there is a difference in motivations to adopt between uh it's not massive but there is there are little differences but i'd like you really i'd like to do that i'd like to do that statistical analysis over all five years of the barometer to get a more valid because yeah. perspective adoption adopters is where you can really do that because the people that were prospective adopters in 2018 most of them were not also filling in as prospective adopters in 2019 so yeah. you've got a much better chance of getting unique uh unique data but that i mean anyway that's not really what you asked me but i do spend some of my time doing that i um i like to speak i speak at a fair number of conferences i do an awful lot of reading documents at the dfe have sent about education at half past five on a Ooh. friday night just before the holidays <laughs> and trying to tell Ooh. parents about it um there's a whole um there's a whole area of st like a strategic approach to, to trying to see real change in education that i'm heavily involved in adoption uk's work i can tell you nothing about it but we're just working on a, a forthcoming sort of policy campaign a mini campaign about educate related to education mainly probably asking for a lot of the things that we're always asking for the for because really until we see the changes that we think you know until families see the changes that they have said will make a massive difference for them we can do nothing but keep asking for those same changes yeah. around particularly around education which is obviously the area that i'm most uh, most involved with so um i'm just writing a little report um Currently, uh, I'm looking at everything we've got in the barometer over the past five years about absence, um, all kinds of absence from school amid a climate. Oh, I thought you of... said absence. I was like, how the I'm hell are you no, absence? No, no, I'm nosy, <laughs> but I'm not that nosy. I don't you say, can you can you <laughs> track the that. adoption rates with with absence sales? <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so I'm spending a little time now, ju just now, looking at um, issues around persistent absence, issues around barriers to school attendance, um, and and looking at what 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 adoptive families have been telling us about this over all these years. Um, but I think, really, you'd be surprised, but the I've already had, I think, three meetings now about 
that are basically about next year's barometer. <laughs> that kind of and start then... off as being meetings about last year's one, but end up being meetings about the next yeah. year's one. So it's always in progress with the barometer. And mm. I do other things, you know, there's uh, there's always a government consultation you can be responding to when there's always a you yeah, know thing that yeah, the DFE yeah. have said that you need to tell people about and there's always like materials on our website to be updated and training resources to be created and, and stuff yeah. like that but, but my barometer is like an annual cycle now and pretty much as soon as the last one ends yeah. the next one begins really but I so could make it a full-time job barometer. Well, I was going to say yeah I mean you literally probably could couldn't you but yeah. you know that wouldn't really be you know pulling your weight around the organization i guess if you're just doing that <laughs> i've got to write those downloadables about people putting me on plus it's got to be done yeah exactly but i'm guessing as well that you're going to have well the team that you're part of and and yourself because you do all this analysis and read and all that sort of stuff i guess that the soon election general elections Ooh. coming oh yeah that's right too far that's away right. and if and i understood what that... my job title was i would yeah. probably be doing a lot more stuff about that exactly that's what i was <laughs> well, just thinking you should be cozying up with helen hayes from the labor party shouldn't you i don't think i am the person you send to cozy up with people to be really honest i think we have <laughs> people that are more suited to that kind of uh what should we call it network building mm. um but yes so uh this is not really what i have been doing but work is a foot on manifestos and um yeah. and uh what's that thing that they have conferences conference season oh, and yeah all of that ramping up because the, the yeah. i mean like it or not there will be a general election coming up it'll be all yeah. change again mm -hmm. to be honest though the prospect of massive changes of the dfe just feels like pretty much par for the course after the past couple of years. Every yeah. time you turn around, there's somebody else at the DFE, isn't there? Absolutely. So, yeah. yeah, but yeah, so th there is work on, yeah. there's work being done on that. But my there's a lovely colleague, my lovely colleague, Catherine, shout out to Catherine, who is far more uh, pol uh, like politically adept than me and kind of has got a, like a really great grasp <laughs> on all that stuff and um, does the work of 10 people, really, I think, in that. Because I just get to niche on about education, but she has to do everything. <laughs> And I get to say, I really live a long way from Westminster, so I don't think I can make that meeting, but she doesn't get to say that. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, well, listen, Becky, as ever, it's been an absolute pure joy to have you on. Um, uh, it has been a year since since you were on. and um, Well, actually, it's been over a year because we interviewed you not long after the Barometer release last year. Um, and, um, yeah, it's been, been a strange old time for everybody, I guess. But, um, yeah, thanks for coming on and thanks for sharing. Yeah. And um, we'll look forward to he getting all the details about the next Brommer because hopefully we'll be able to share them when the surveys are open and stuff like that. Um, and uh, yeah, yeah, thank you. I mean, thank in you. particular, and this is my greatest wish, I think, for the 2024, <laughs> got ahead of myself then, 2024 barometer, um, that we are just shy of 250 adoptees fill the barometer in this year, which mm. is which is all right. Um, I would like to triple that. Yeah. Um, I know it's, I know it's difficult. I know the relationships not always been there. I know this yeah. has been seen as being something for adoptive parents because historically it was something for adoptive parents. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I mean, I, I'm battling with the survey, which is now like a 300 question survey. Um, and it, it may be that just because of the logistics of managing such an enormous survey, we might need to rejig how we do it again mm. mainly because not being funny 
Every time I need to scroll down the survey, it takes about it takes about 45 seconds for the page to refresh. And when you're working on it, like, that's a lot of your time just spent watching a whirly thing going around yeah. because it's so long. Um, but but whether we so we may have to change the way we do the survey. I don't know yet. We've not really yeah. we've not really discussed it. But sorry, radio dead time there. But the but yeah. the the more people who say the same thing, the stronger. Yeah. It is. Yeah. We can go yeah. and say 250 adoptees said, mm -hmm. frankly, getting your personal records is an embarrassing nightmare. Yeah. And something needs to be done. 250 adoptees, 17% of them, only 17% of them thought they could get the therapeutic counseling and support they needed. We can say that, but it's 250. Um, we yeah. can say only 23% of the people who responded to our survey said, even now as an adult, that they felt they really understood their own life story and how and why they came to be adopted. But it's 23% of 250. And that would be so much stronger and so much more unignorable um, if it was 23% of 1,000 or 23% of 2,000. Um, so, yeah. you know, guys, yeah, if you're well, listening, like, yeah. adoptees, yeah. we need your voices. Yeah. Aye. we'll we'll certainly promote it as well for you so but thank you again for coming on becky and um well we might as well just put the day in the diary this time next year or just yeah, little, <laughs> yeah. as long as you're not on holiday that time i guess i'll try you know i'll try to be in the country <laughs> <laughs> thank, well, thank you. you very much thank bye. you guys bye, bye.